Welcome to the Drive Time News Blast. 30 minutes, 50 for subscribers of news of the day from a perspective of truth, liberty, and justice. This is Monica Perez. And I'm Brad Binkley. Our top story, I was shocked to discover last night that Bob Saget had died. And I'm not the only person who was shocked by that. Uh, John Stamos was shocked. His daughters were shocked. There was, he had no illnesses to their awareness. And what, the way I even found out about it, I didn't even know he was dead. All I saw was Twitter, uh, kind of going viral. Some, I guess, I don't know if he had a podcast or what, but he was talking about how he had just gotten the booster. This was from a few weeks ago, but he was found dead. I, the article I read this morning was that he died in his sleep in his hotel in Orlando. Sounds a lot like Betty White. And uh, I've got a lot, a lot of things that plug into this, but um, I noticed that you also were shocked. We were kind of on the same Twitter feed last night. Yeah, he was in Orlando. He had just done a show in Jacksonville the previous night. And on his podcast, he was very optimistic. And the one in particular that I watched that he did talk about getting the booster, he was just calling random fans and surprising them. He was making their day. And he was very hopeful for getting back out on the road and touring. But he was talking a lot about COVID and trying to help people through the lockdown and and not feeling well. It is surprising. My first question was, did he have any drug issues? I don't know. It turns out that they didn't find any drugs, no foul play. At least that's what they're reporting right now. So we'll see what they say the cause of death is. I liked Bob Saget. He was a funny guy. I remember seeing him in The Aristocrats. He really committed to doing the dirtiest joke ever in that documentary. Hmm. Yeah, I I didn't get a chance to watch that, but I liked... There are a couple of things that I liked about him. Um... Well, one thing is that the tour he was on was literally called I Don't Do Negative Comedy. That was his vibe in the YouTube yeah. video. Yeah. So I feel like that it's a real loss. We need more people like that around. And you have to be really funny if you are going to keep it. Well, you obviously said it was the filthiest um it, Iteration of that joke in that documentary, but I don't think he was generally filthy guy. Bob Saget was one of the dirtiest comics you'll ever see in your life. Always? Yeah. That oh, was, wow. So that's why it was so counter that he was on Full House. America's because, dad, yeah. yeah. Wow. The first so time that... I saw him do that joke, I only known him from that show, and so I was shocked how dirty he was. But I other liked than it. that joke, he's super filthy? His yes, he's, super filthy? he's known as a dirty comic. Wow, no And so his, his show was probably very dirty. His whole thing was that he... He would always talk about being, you know, the dad and, and yeah. then he would counter it with super, super filthy jokes. I can't believe that he could do that. Is it is it not misogynistic to get all filthy these days? Like, how can you not get canceled? He's a comics comic. Yep. I wonder what his show was like because he was doing it already. He was underway. Uh, also, I felt like or I certainly saw headlines to the effect of and um, that he supported Lori Loughlin and he texted to her as she was headed to prison that he loved her and um, was thinking of her. And, you know, I think that she was persecuted for her religion, <laughs> literally. Yeah. So anyone who stood by her, I uh, I like. And it takes a little courage to not get on board with the cancel culture. It's probably people like him who knew she wasn't a piece of crap that allowed her and her family to recover from this to the extent that they are. So I thought it was... Um, So this is what the Fox headline was. Fox News headlines, which I listened to in the morning. The anchorwoman said, 
Well, you know how celebrities pass in three. Well, this week's is Bob Saget, Dobie Gillis, and songwriter Marilyn Bergman. Last week, it was Betty White, Peter Bogdanovich, and Sidney Poitier. And I'm like, it's not three a week. Celebrities don't die three a week. It's like three in a cluster. But this is consistent with my expectation that you're going to, we were talked about this, that you're going to hear a lot of deaths. You're going to hear about a lot of deaths. They're going to be natural causes and two things to watch out for. One is they're going to say they're natural causes and they're never going to say that it's vax related, even if the vaccine exacerbates underlying conditions the way the actual disease does. So spike protein is active, is the is the malignancy. So what COVID does to you a lot of times, the vaccine side effects will reflect that. So they're never going to talk about that. You're not going to see that. And also when we experience significant excess deaths in 2022, it's going to be implied that it was a COVID thing, even though I think it will be quite the opposite. So I expect to see that. I also would love to see a stat, which we will never see. Oh, and Robert Durst, that uh, famous killer guy, they interrupted this program to announce that he, too, had died of natural causes. So and he was in prison. So I assume he was vaxxed up the wazoo like Bob Saget was. Makes you wonder about Ghislaine Maxwell, where the judge was saying, make sure she gets the booster. Oh, yeah, there you go. Although I don't think she is in jail, but that's just me. So I would like to see the stat. I'll never see it. If for any given demographic, like over 65 or 70 years old or whatever, if the death from natural causes rate is higher this year for vaccinated people over unvaccinated people. It would be easy to see that. You're never going to see it. OSHA, actually, there was a rule in place that OSHA is not going to enforce um, for a while anyway, until May, I think um, we got a uh, somebody posted this on locals that we are they're not going to enforce employee employers recording vaccine injuries among vaccinated employees. Like why? If that's a rule, why would you not have them enforce it? Like you just don't want to know about vaccine injuries. I mean, it makes no sense. So I I have made a few predictions along the way, and one is about that death rates are going to skyrocket. Another is that kids' rates, kids' rates of getting sick are going to skyrocket because they started to get the vax, and that's what I saw with the Delta, and that is actually happening. But I will say that this is my positive thought for the day. I do believe that this unless they're actually going to spray a whole new bioweapon on us or a whole new gain of function COVID thing on us, I think those San Bernardino doctors were really right. And so I think that the way when is whatever came out, came out, it was totally artificial gain of function. Then when they started vaxxing people, jacking them with the vax, you had the Delta thing, which I think I got from a vaccinated person. Now they're doing that with the kids. But I think this next iteration, Omicron or whatever, is what everyone kind of thought uh, virology indicated anyway, which is what the San Bernardino doctor said. Once it gets out there in the beginning, it doesn't spread to everybody. It's quite deadly, like a regular big bad virus. But as it gets around to the population, it becomes much less virulent. So I have some stats 
that I think greatly support that. I'll bring them to you in the XR. But my positive, my white pill is, it seems to me that this thing is maybe coming to an end. The Wall Street Journal even said that uh, Omicron makes the Biden vax mandate obsolete. So by the time Pfizer can even get it out, it'll be everywhere. And uh, I don't know. So that's what I think is happening. And I'm hoping that I'm right. Well, I'm sure they'll get that vaccine that's specifically for the Omicron out as quickly as possible so they can pump up the their bottom line. They said it's not even going to be out till March. And by then, it's supposed to be like absolutely widespread by February. Yeah, it, it won't even be just the Omicron anymore. It'll be the Deltacron, the baby of Omega. the Omicron and Delta, yeah. because the combo names is something we've been seeing. Also, I want to give you an update on that story of the tennis player Novak over in Australia, Djokovic. Novak Djokovic. A judge ordered that he be freed from the immigration detention center in Australia. He said that he needs to be released and his possessions returned to him and he canceled the overturning of his visa and said the government has to pay cost, his legal cost, and they have to give all his belongings, everything back to him. And the reasoning he gave was that he did not have enough time to speak to his lawyers before the decision to revoke everything was made. And he also said he was irritated because he said Djokovic did all that he could do. What more could he have possibly done to prove to you that he was immune or wasn't a threat because of the virus? Another angle of this was that Australian officials said that he was not proving to us that he had been greatly sick, only that he tested positive. And so we only give exemptions to people who can show that they're greatly sick and recovered, which I thought was kind of strange. It started to make me think that there's trying to gin up these requirements of, no, the burden of proof is getting higher and higher for you to prove that you are not a threat with the virus. This is not over yet. They also have reserved the right. The Australian officials have reserved the right to overturn what the judge says, the immigration officials, so they can just turn it back if they want to. I don't think the legal issues and the mandate and everything is over. That's not what I think is over. I think that it may be that we're where people aren't getting super sick anymore. I mean, this case particularly. This is not the last we're going to hear of this. This Oh, yes. Yeah. But there but there is I I meant to say there's like this. People have been talking a lot about a Washington, a a law in Washington state about forcing people to get the vaccine or being able to detain them if they didn't. Uh, This is something that's coming before. I think it's a coming before a committee. I don't know. There's some action date, which is January 12th for people who live in Washington state, plug into that, see if you can stop that thing. Um, And yeah, and I also think maybe they put these stuff, these things on the books so that they can maybe not force us into it in the here and now, but, and say, Hey, you know, we're going to put this on the books. We're not going to do it now because it looks like this pandemic is waning, but then they have these kind of mandates and stuff on the books. That's a little bit what I'm worried about. Yeah, I want to clarify one thing. What they were connecting this idea of an acute illness that is worse than having no symptoms at all is they say they allow people to temporarily put off getting their vaccine if they have an acute illness and they were seriously ill, as though you have natural immunity if you get very sick, but you don't have it if you only get just a little bit sick. If you had such strong immune system that you actually beat it back. 
That's what it sounds I mean, like. Who? Yeah. So who's the guy with the better immune system? And uh, and you'd have to back. You know, I'd have to see how the antibody antigen and vax reaction works. I'd have to see the study on that, and yeah. I'd have to examine it. So there was, yeah, God, did you want to finish on that? Because no, that's all thing. I had on that. Okay. So I was on Slow News Day on yesterday, which was very fun. And they showed, oh, they told me to tell you. They, these are, they're on uh, Union of the Unwanted sometimes. Oh, all the time, actually. So they told me to tell you, um, feel free to add to your repertoire of shocking, jaw-dropping clips, the stuff that comes out of the Milken Institute. Michael mm. Milken was the, was actually the bond guy who basically invented junk bonds, which was the kind of investment banking I did. And my firm was the legacy of his firm after he went to jail. <laughs> so he, uh, so he has this institute, and they they this one clip that's going around was from October 29th, ninth, twenty nineteen, of Fauci and Rick Bright basically talking about how to get mRNA vaccines into everybody's arms without regulatory barriers. Have you seen that one? Yeah, I've seen that they, one. They said a there's one. a ton coming out of the Milken Institute, so you may want to see that. But what the, the slow news day guys also showed me was a clip, a recent clip, very recent clip out of England where they were announcing to the hospital staff that they had to get booster shots or vaccines or whatever. And there was an anesthesiologist there who said, I've had COVID. I have the antibodies. They're very strong. They're stronger than I would have with the vaccine. I don't want to get the vaccine and I don't want to get the booster. And the, the actual data indicates that, uh, for as short a life as the vaccine has, which would make sense because the mRNA stuff was supposed to be just gobbled up by your body. So maybe there are severe side effects for people who take it up too much. But mo for the most part, it is it does. Um, it isn't very long lasting, apparently. And he said you would have to get a booster every month to stay ahead of this thing with your immune system. And he said, I'm not doing it. It's this is a very short term problem and I'm not. I'm not going for it. So I feel like that supports this idea that that the reality of it is that it's on the wane. Now, they're, they'll keep pushing for the legal stuff, but I don't know where it's going to go. Yeah, and they're going to keep pushing harder and harder, I think, as it wanes down so they can get as many people as possible before it's completely gone. I think that's why we're seeing such a hardcore vaccine push right now. Other things that might be worth being concerned about, I would say, is the Department of Homeland Security's monitoring of citizens, of American citizens as though they are terrorists ever since January 6th. Last year, they implemented this new strategy and they have given an increased power to the intel agencies to surveil people with, at times, very little cause. We did a Rockfin video on this and a lot of the things that we talked about in that video I saw pop up in the news today and yesterday. The Department of Homeland Security has been sending out these reports, these situation reports to, lo to locales, to local police, to people they're working with on the ground, to tell them what's going Going on, what threats they're seeing, what they're monitoring, and what the people in those locales should therefore be afraid of and monitor, and what they should do about it as well. Very, very hands-on instructions. Here's some of the examples of what they're monitoring and just what they're doing. The Department of Homeland Security monitored online gamers after they received a tip. A bomb threat by someone claiming to have been arrested in connection with January 6th, and they were threatening 
in Minecraft to bomb a federal building in Minecraft. It says in Minecraft in the article, which makes me think that they were threatening to bomb a virtual building yeah, in Minecraft. Right. But they weren't. They were just chattering in Minecraft about a real building. No, I think they were chattering about a virtual building. That's what. No like way. They, yeah. They Does put Minecraft it in parentheses to kind of that's what it seems like to me. And I saw another article actually talking about this very same thing about terrorism on virtual buildings. An example being that a way that the metaverse, well, I'm going to talk about this later, could be used for terrorists is people could be having a virtual celebration of 9-11 or a memorial of 9-11 in the metaverse. And then terrorists could get into that metaverse room and they could have digital planes come through and just knock down the virtual buildings. Well, would it blow your brain up through the headphones? It's emotional terrorism. It's like like virtual groping. Yeah, it's totally like that. And they talk about how real the experiences can be and how it can affect them at a very deep level and create Demolition PTSD. Man. Remember yeah. Demolition Man? Demolition Man? Demolition Man. It was Sylvester Sloan and Sandra Bullock had their um, VR headsets on. Oh, yeah, totally. And that was her idea of... Whatever. Of sex. Yeah. Okay, so here is what they are tracking. The department aims to track narratives known to provoke violence. Now, it's very general. You can really apply anything to that. What is a narrative known to provoke violence? They don't give specifics. They leave it very vague. A narrative known to provoke violence. A narrative, a narrative known to provoke violence. And when they find those narratives, they then continue to monitor them and... What what are they? Do you have examples? No, they don't. They don't. Well, actually, they do give you can fill in the blanks on the examples with the answers they have to a couple of these questions. Which U.S. government agencies monitor online activity? And this is interesting. Many federal agencies monitor social media, including DHS, the FBI, the State Department, the DEA, the Bureau of Alcohol, Tobacco, Firearms and Explosives, the U.S. Postal Service, Internal Revenue Service, the U.S. Marshal Service and the Social Security Administration. They are all monitoring us. And it's all because of domestic terrorism. Why do these agencies monitor civilian social media? And it says the FBI and DHS use social media monitoring to assist with investigations and to detect potential threats. Some of these investigations do not require a showing of criminal activity. No showing of criminal activity <laughs> at all. And they can still. So subsequently, if they find criminal activity, they can then further invade your privacy. And here is what they monitor down to the word. How broad is the surveillance? Some of the DH divisions, including the Customs Border Patrol and the National Operations Center and FEMA, they keep tabs on a broad list of websites and keywords being discussed on social media platforms. The agency's privacy impact assessments suggest that there are few limits on the content that can be reviewed. Some assessments list a sweeping range of keywords that are monitored, including attack, public health. You say public health, they're monitoring that. Power kidding? outage and jihad. What? That's just a few examples. Power outage and public health? Yeah. Right in so, there in between attack and, and jihad. And I want to see this full list. They don't show the full list. I tried to find it. That's very, very interesting because what they're saying is... There's going to be a cyber attack on the grid. Mm -hmm. There's going to be an attack on the grid and bioweapons. Like that's what that those two seemingly innocuous things are telling me about what they're preparing for and preparing us for. I think that's one angle of it. I think the other angle of it is people talking about public health and questioning the public health measures. Like I think that yes. that's it's going to be heavily related yes. to that because – when you read some of this stuff, yes, you'll be yes. reading so it and you, you'll think they're outage. talking about yeah. foreign terrorists. And all of a right. sudden they'll say, yeah, people like Trump supporters who were at the Capitol on January 6th. And I'm like, oh, they're 
they're describing Americans wearing red hats, which is kind of just, yeah. yeah, throws what you were thinking when you're reading the articles. But so the, the public yeah. health thing, yeah, is the public health thing is probably that. Yes, I'm with you there. But the power outage thing, what else could that be except for terrorist attacks on power outages? Because there was one in California a long, you know, five years ago or something, and it was really weird. Yeah, I think that they are definitely targeting it because of an attack that they might expect or that maybe they'll gin up themselves. But they link it all back to domestic terrorism, even the jihad thing. And these are in clips that we actually didn't get to. They talk about some of this. They link the jihad thing to domestic terrorism because domestic terrorism and, and people calling for jihad, they get together on virtual platforms, social media, which is worldwide, and they train from them. They learn from their tactics and they end up working together because the jihad wants people to attack in America and the domestic terrorism also want to attack in, in America. So they kind of intermingle them is the way they put it into one. Like Russian election interference? Yes, very much like, so. Oh, they just want to sow discord. That is exactly what it is. They also yeah. talk about the Russian election interference. They very specifically say if you people question the election, if people are questioning the vaccine, not trusting the public health, health officials, these are narratives that foreign operatives come and put on our social media platforms. Therefore, the message itself is a foreign terrorist act, and the people repeating it are helping further foreign terrorism acts. So therefore, these domestic terrorists are one and the same as the foreign terrorist. It's crazy how they whip <laughs> yeah, this stuff yeah, together. Yeah, totally. But you did see that coming for sure. Well, we have a lot more to talk about today, but before we get to the deepest dive of the day, which is going to crack the code on how the World Economic Forum gets every company in lockstep. But before we get to that, I want to tell you what we're going to talk about in the XR, terrorist avatars and Bitcoin's wild ride. Now, let's hear a message from our most amusing sponsor. <laughs> Do you love freedom? Does the daily news leave you shaking your head? Does mindless conformity give you the heebie-jeebies? Are you surrounded by people who just don't get it? Are you right now wearing clothes? You over there, yes, you. Do you like cool clothes? Well, meet the Rye Guys, makers of fun, freedom-loving t-shirts and more, quality products for independent thinkers and other such troublemakers. We make each of our handcrafted tees with equal parts satire, mischief, and Rye social commentary. Put on one of our tees and you'll meet kindred spirits, share a laugh, and enjoy great conversation. Take off one of our tees and, well, we're not here to judge you. We support liberty, peace, and voluntary solutions to societal ills. And you have our word, our products are never tested on animals other than sacred cows. So, stop by today at www.ryguys.com. That's W-R-Y-G-U-Y-S dot com. Ryguys dot com. The Rye Guys. A rye wit for today's shit. Promo code there is Prop 10. And our favorite Rye guy showed up at the DPP on Friday. That was super fun. Yeah, that's and awesome. He just does so, so much work bringing real research and truth to the whole COVID thing, masks, everything. Um, it's a lot. I will have to find a good way to share that. Maybe I'll put it on the website or put it in the newsletter. Yes. I got to make a note of that. Uh, okay. So... Uh, it is, we are drawing to, we have one week left on the Try Locals Free 
promo code. So if you go to properports.locals.com, you uh, try to subscribe, um, use the promo code TRYLOCALSFREE. That'll give you a month free. And if you like it at the end of the month, take advantage of this introductory offer. It'll be 50 bucks for a whole year of all of our XR content, the DNB XR, the interviews XR. It's a real bargain and it will not last. And if you don't like it, you do have to uh cancel but i think it's or you just remain a free cancel the pay and remain a free subscriber because you can see a lot of our posts and stuff free but one thing i discovered about locals which i really really like is i don't want to pay for every single channel there i pay for viva barnes but i don't pay for michael malice but i go through and i follow the followers of those guys and it kind of becomes like your news feed becomes more like a more sophisticated twitter feed it's actually pretty cool because you get a lot a lot of stuff and and a lot of times you can tell what the premium channel stuff is just by following the discourse because they have really robust communities. So now I'm developing a kind of Twitter thing there. I'm enjoying it very much. And I really like seeing everybody there. The whole reason we did it was not to set up another revenue stream. I'm actually later on going to figure out how to bundle stuff together. Uh, but it's because we didn't really have a really great social center. So this, and we throw in the premium stuff because that's what we, you know, that's what we have to offer, but highly recommend propreport.locals.com and uh, try locals free, all caps, no spaces is the promo code uh, for at least, or at most one more week. With that said, now on with the show and the deepest dive of the day. Okay. So this Deepest Dive of the Day is related to Friday's Deepest Dive of the Day, where you brought some stuff from the World Economic Forum targeting venture capital for ESG standards, environmental, social, and governance standards. And uh, I had the same, I had the exact same topic as a deep dive. So we know it's coordinated or at least in the air. And it was based on a Wall Street Journal article that I had read on Friday, big article about Larry Fink, who is the head, the CEO of BlackRock. I had to look this up like three times. BlackRock is the largest money manager in the world. It has over $10 trillion of assets, $10 trillion of assets. That is 10 trillion is half of the economy of the US. 10 trillion dollars of assets. So what they do is they have funds, they invest in stocks and you they're a money manager. So you give them the money and they they pick the stocks. In the old days, pension funds were like 44% of the market, but now pensions were replaced by 401ks. So it's not really pension funds, but it is still big, big money managers like this. So I'm going to give you the aha moment first. I'm going to give you the punchline first. The deep dive aha moment is that I was wondering, you know, I would see, we would watch the World Economic Forum stuff and you would see all these CEOs like CEO of every company show up nobody ever stood down they told everybody to get on board every every big big global co company you could think of and i really did not realize how they got them all in lockstep and the way they get them all in lockstep is that this guy determines who gets the public money. Who gets the investment money? It's $10 trillion in assets. 
I mean, if if BlackRock says no, not only do they not invest in you, no one else will invest in you. Your equity costs will go up. Your borrowing costs will go up. There's just no way to beat that system. And I was saying like these guys now and Larry Fink sits, it didn't take me long to find this, sits on the board of the World Economic Forum and the board of the Council Relations. So Council on Foreign Relations. So they... So that I was like, okay, so they control all of the public companies, basically. And then you brought how they hit the VCs. So the VCs are the private investment in private companies and startup companies. And they were doing the same thing to them. So that's like the punchline. And then I'll just give you some details about this guy and how and how he actually does it. The way you watch Event 201 and they tell you, get your oligarchs to call your presidents, your elected leaders and tell them which way is up. As far as this kind of policy, very, very similar thing with this guy. He, um, oh, and by the way, it, maybe this is, this is the, uh, this is the behind the scenes stuff. In both 2008 and 2020, he was in the room with the treasury secretaries, say, Mnuchin and, uh, or Mnuchin, whatever he call, they call them, and Tim Geithner. And I know about these meetings, like single meetings where, Big money guys are in the room and the Treasury Secretary of the United States tells you their plan. I mean, that is power. So Fink was not successful previously. He was fired for having lost $100 million at his job before. And uh, but ever since then, he's been plugged into this stuff. He gets no bid contracts like they're like, oh, it's an emergency. Just give it to BlackRock instead of saying what other bank could handle this huge amount of power and money. He always gets it. So he goes there. He gets his insider information. As far as I'm concerned, that's what it's, it should be called. It's not technically insider. It is insider information, but not, you know, big eye. And so he not only gets his info, but he also gets his marching orders. So that's the mechanism by which only one guy can control absolutely everything. Uh, he and what he this is in the record. He calls CEOs and tells them what to do and what not to do. And he directs them to pressure governments to specifically subsidize alternative energy. He uh, divests and flags companies. He feels pose a threat to climate risk, but doesn't want climate taxes because they will create backlash. But this is a tax. This is a tax because it's by greatly increasing how much it costs you to borrow money and finance your company, that is a tax. And it is crippling because you can't compete in a world like that. So uh, it even says in the article I think it was Larry Summer. Somebody said in the article, he's much more powerful than any government position because he can't be fired and doesn't really have to answer to anybody other than just the bottom line. And this was the big Zbigniew Brzezinski idea of how uh, you can better control a democracy by having everybody's livelihood uh, tied up with institutions that are non-democratic. So if all your retirement money is tied up with this guy, you're... Uh, you're not going to put the reins on him if he knows what he's doing. And in, this is another one. It says in, in 2012, they released, BlackRock released the first of Mr. Fink's annual letters to CEOs. He uses the letters to prod, scold, and push companies to disclose more about how they provide for workers, the environment, and the community at large. And this, this part was 
in the online, but it wasn't in the print set, uh, version of the Wall Street Journal. The letters emerge from a months long writing process that involves debates by executives and occasional help from former Fed and Treasury speechwriters. So <laughs> they they've they're writing for me. I mean, it's just it really is a, a revolving door. And it does emphasize over and over again how important reporting is transparency, which you've always said was like at the crux or a big part of the ESG thing. And uh, it goes on to say, um, oh, and they never mentioned, they don't put ESG in big letters they, in the Wall Street Journal. They don't talk about the World Economic Forum. It's just like Build Back Better. They act like this is just organic. This is some guys, you know, he's a true believer. Um, anyway, so that's that. And then uh, I did have an insight. I'm going to bring it, though, because we're running out of time here. Um, I am going to, I'm going to say, bring it to the XR. Do we have a couple of more minutes? What's our time like? We got a few more minutes. Okay. So let me give it to you now. So why, why do, this is kind of another aha moment for the deep dive. Why are they doing this? And, and what they're doing, they really focus on the climate change. They really focus on, uh, Fossil fuels, which is the carbon dioxide thing they're talking about. But they also, the, the day before, I brought an article about the paper companies. They're talking about plastic. They're really trying to push all the petroleum products, plastic and oil and everything away from us. They're making it more expensive. They're trying to take it away from us. And here's what, and I really I was thinking hard about this and I just, I couldn't figure it out. This is what I, I finally landed on. I finally landed on that they don't like us to have money or mobility. So oil, energy, and plastic are things that really raise our quality of life, free up money for other things because they're cheap. Um, they improve our mobility. And, and remember, I've been talking about how the airlines are going, air travel is going to shrink. It is going to shrink for every man, not every man, but every man. So it's going to shrink. They're slowing us down. They're shutting us down. They're sticking us in the virtual world. And I think that is really underlying it all. They're making us poorer and less mobile and actually making us poor will reduce the population. But why are they so hell bent on reducing the population, reducing our mobility, reducing our wealth? I think it's twofold. I think and this is not my style at all. Going to the psychological explanation is not my style at all. But I heard um, a guy, Richard Poe, talk about it in, with respect to the British Empire and the British elites. I talked a little bit about this on the Grand, on Grand Theft World last night with Richard Grove for people who saw that or want to see it. I'm sure it's available. So uh, they, they, it's the elites maybe it's so hard for me to even say psychological stuff like this, but what I think they're doing is they want every, there's basically an abundance of everything except for in my mind, like coastline desert islands, really great places to be. And the more that the upper middle class, you know, gets bigger and bigger, and bigger, that really encroaches on, uh, you know, there are only so many islands in Fiji and they don't want them there. They don't want people around. And this is where it gets psychological, is that who will they lord it over if there isn't if there isn't any real meaningful difference? So uh, 
a friend of mine said, who came from a rich family, she said, my father always said, there's a way, way bigger difference between zero and a million in your life than a million and 10 million. And, and they, and they just, everybody can get a certain point. People can get kind of to be what it means to be a million, you know, to just live good and retire and have a good life. And then, and that's just not enough. Like it's not enough to see the, you know, the, the tacky trash in the Maldives or, or that stuff. So I think that's, I think that's my working thing. Like A, I got the aha on that's how they control the world. And B, I think, I think the aha might be that they, they're just snobs. Oh, I think that they are totally snobs. Harold Laswell in this really long book about propaganda from like, I think it's like in the 1980s. It talks about what they called the respect revolution, which they say that that revolution is what emerged after people had everything they could eat. They had a house, they had a roof over their head. So their basic needs were taken care of. Then all of a sudden, the inequality became the amount of respect society gives you. And when you see someone being treated with more respect, getting more admiration than the equality gap is you don't get that admiration. You don't get that respect. You need that respect and admiration. That's exactly spot on. And and I do remember that that rich, fancy guy, old money, old family guy from school saying it's you have to have you have to have people you respect so that you can bask in earning their respect. Very interesting. So there's just a lot of layers to that. You can't really ignore psychology. They have our psychology pretty much nailed down, crowd psychology, but their own psychology is probably at the heart of all of this. Absolutely. I think that is an important thing to remember, too, because that also means they're vulnerable, just like every other human being. They're not, they're not unbeatable. I think that wraps it up. Thank you, Monica. Thank you guys for listening. We will talk to you guys in the DMB XR. You can find the Drive Time News Blast every weekday afternoon at thepropreport.com or your favorite podcasting platform of the Propaganda Report podcast feed. Again, you can check us out on Locals at propreport.locals.com. Did I get that website exactly correct? Okay, thank you. All right, we will talk to you all later. Have a fantastic rest of your day. 